0: to wake me up than Kahlua in my coffee cup. No better way to start my day than Kahlua in my coffee cup. No better way to end the day than Kahlua in my coffee cup Then Kahlua in my coffee. Oh, I'm on air. Sorry about that. Uh, welcome to Kahlua and my coffee standing ovation there for jingle singer Becky Griswold. You know, you can stand up and give her a round of applause. Unless you're driving, then just honk to the beat. So I wanted to kind of give a little disclaimer before we get started today. And this episode is going to be some really heavy subject matter and possibly triggering for some that listen to it. So I want to make sure that if you've battled mental illness and hearing another person's story is not inspirational or helpful, you might want to hit the stop button. I don't want anybody triggered. The last thing I want to do is impede somebody's healthy outlook. But I'm going to share some truths today and some careful information to help others live their best life. So. I I guess let's do this. So before I actually get started, let's lighten the mood just a hair because we're about to stick our foot in the swampiest swamp there is. And I want to challenge my listeners this week to jump on over to the VIP Facebook group. And I'm going to have some information posted with my ongoing and recurring and possibly some new segment titles. And with not knowing what actually goes behind the, uh, the set I should say the segments name, meaning you might see something that's called two faced and you can assume all you want about what the segment two faced would be, but it may not be what you think it is. And that's okay because I like to mix things up and have a little fun. So I like to invite everybody over to my Facebook VIP group, Kahlua in my coffee chat group and, take us some time this week, maybe till about Saturday, Sunday-ish, and vote on the ones that you would like to hear. Just be careful what you wish for, because again, you don't necessarily know what the segments under that title might be about. So, with that lighter note, per se, I think I'm just, um, I'm actually think I'm just distracting and avoiding myself, but don't tell my therapist. So (laughs) anyway, before we get started here, I just want to again, remind anybody that may have some triggering moments when hearing somebody else's journey with mental illness, I completely understand. And I invite you to hit the stop button for anybody who'd like to hear another person's journey and is ready to go. Welcome. So we're going to go ahead and hit, this subject matter along with the segment name things we don't talk about but we should be mental health and i want to share my personal story and i'm going to do my best not to cry on this episode cuz i feel like i'm a soap opera star as much as i cry so i want to share my personal journey of something that actually just happened to me and kind of why i didn't have a show last week i wasn't say that it necessarily impacted my overall being of, you know, functioning, but it was something I needed to chew on a little bit and know how to deliver it in the right way and be in the right frame of mind. Because I'm somebody that believes in, if I share something that's happened to me and it helps even one person in this entire universe, then it was absolutely worth me sharing. But I had to be in the right mind, mind space or head space in order to do that or else it's not beneficial. Kind of, It'll end up sounding like I'm kind of crying a river. And it's okay if you want to cry a river. But when you're delivering information that's got a really heavy subject matter and you really want to drive home at point, sometimes it's better to take a step back and evaluate things and take a deep breath and put a little clue in your coffee or your second coffee or your third coffee. So here we go. I want to share my personal story. Last week at the age of 44. Now, some of you will not be shocked by this. Neither was I really. I was diagnosed with bipolar (gasps) two. I know crazy, right? Somebody who's all over the place and has been accused of having ADD their whole life and is extremely emotional and she needs to be. Yeah. Shocking. But it was one of those things where I wasn't surprised I was more baffled that it took a doctor till 44 to push me in a corner and say, I think there's something bigger going on here. And so I kind of got angry at first because I thought, gosh, this doctor I've reached out to that doctor I've reached out to this therapist. I've talked to that therapist I've talked to because I've been through a lot of stuff in my life, more than the average person probably endures, you know, honestly 10 times what the average person probably enters. And if I told you some of the things that I've been through personally off the record, you probably wouldn't even believe me because you would think that only happens in a book that only happens in the movies. And I'll laugh and say, who do you think the movies are based on when it says this is from true events or this is from the news? Yeah, because there are people that really have been affected by things that most of us don't. And that's why I'm so open about my journey because if I've endured, say, 10 times the amount of the average person and I'm struggling, then I know that somebody that maybe has endured two or three or even nine out of 10 that I have, maybe they take something away from things I've learned along the way. So again, oh my gosh, I'm so shocked. I'm bipolar too. Okay, not shocked completely. and But I never knew what was the clock that made me tick. It's called anxiety it's not a rabbit. It's not a motor that keeps you driving. It's called anxiety. You know, your little bitch ass friend named uh, was we'll starts with an A anxiety. And I've been overly empathetic to the point I've been excused or not excused. I've been accused of wearing the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I don't really think there's anything wrong with being empathetic unless you cry through your entire podcast, then I guess there's a problem with being completely empathetic. And I've been accused of being mood unstable, not to the point that I can not function, but to the point where I sometimes don't understand why I'm in the mood that I'm in. And there's no real rhyme or reason behind it. And, but I, I guess I should say I've learned how to control it and made my own coping mechanisms and my own ways of survival along the way. So it was kind of frustrating to be told, well, this is what you have. You've probably had it your entire life and I'm glad you're finally getting the right treatment and the right medication because this should make life a lot easier for you. What? what? So I've suffered for 40 years because somebody couldn't get their act together and like pull their thumb out of their butt and go, oh, I guess there might be something really wrong here other than life events for this person. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I'm a little pissed off that it took somebody in the medical community to kind of go, ha ha, ha ha. I've got an idea. And for those of you who know me personally, I struggle with lupus. I struggle with fibromyalgia. Uh, and everything that comes along with chronic fatigue syndrome, arthritis, skin lesions, flare-ups, tear-ups, whatever. So I guess it could go undiagnosed or easily be oversighted when you're already taking like eight medications and that's been the least amount you've taken over the last 15 years. And all of those diagnoses could also show signs of anxiety and depression and blah, 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 blah. But come on. If you're willing to give me Vicodin and and morphine to dull my pain, but you can't give me Prozac in order for my brain to calm the frick th- down. Come on, doctors. Seriously. And I'm almost not mad at the medical community as much as maybe I didn't advocate enough for myself. Maybe I... I say lied, but maybe I doled down the amount of days that I want to stay in bed and not face the world, or that I felt moody or extra emotional. Do any of us really answer those forms truthfully? Oh, zero to five, how many days were you unable to get out of bed this week? I'm not going to flip and tell the doctor I don't get out of bed sometimes he's going to call CPS and have my kids stripped from my house. Are you freaking kidding me? So yeah, there's stuff that's gone on in my life that you think, okay, things got easily overlooked. But when did we stop looking at a person as a whole? Hmm, let's think about that. When major pharmaceutical companies and major insurance companies started controlling the medical community. Yeah, I said it. It in itself could be its own podcast, but I don't work for CNN and I really don't feel like covering that whole drama right now, but our system's a little bleeped up. So let's keep going here. So, I, you know, like I was saying, maybe things were anxiety, I'm empathetic, I'm unstable, blah, 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 but it wasn't due to immaturity and it it was chaotic un- is this way I explained to it. I had to live in a peril of what I call a cyclone living inside a whirlpool, living inside a blender. At any given time, that is my brain. Yeah. At work, at home, at school, at volunteering, at playing, you know, as a kid, it doesn't matter. My brain has never stopped the truly, really, really, really go, 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 go. go. And you add any any stress, life event, pressure, deadline, anything like that. And that catapults whatever you're throwing into it, a whole nother trajectory. And you have things happen. Like you walk into work every day, just assuming you'll get fired. No, no, no. It doesn't matter that you were employee of the month six out of the last 12 months or that you were, uh, what, a, how do you say this? Uh, you were promoted to a supervisor after being somewhere two months But yet you still walk into work every day thinking you're going to get fired because your anxiety tells you that. And to think that I live this way for this long is like, oh, are you freaking kidding me? So it wasn't my brain being a type A per se. It wasn't immaturity that made decisions. It was chaotic, you know, uncertainty, as I like to call it. You know, I was a young kid whose parents had to put a loud clicking light switch. And I think my dad might be listening to this. He's in the chat group, so he can vouch for this, or he's going to be totally embarrassed that he had to do this. But you know the lights on in your room, and turn them on and off the switch. My parents put in one that clicked so loud, it would wake them up across the hall in another room because apparently my anxiety, not my shouldn't have given her sugar crazy five-year-old, would get up too early in the morning and they wanted to know if I was awake. So it wasn't necessarily being driven by a motor or just a kid who's maybe got a little attention deficit disorder. It was a kid who was dealing with a bipolar streak at a very young age and anxiety because those are what wakes kids up at 4 a.m. and has them run on motors until they pass out. And that's exactly it. I was a young kid who would only sleep out of pure exhaustion. What I was referred to as a type A, I guess wasn't all drive because resting my eyes meant going to dark places. And what's a five, six, seven, eight, 9 12, 14, 21 year old. What dark places have they been in? Well, we've all had a lot of aces happen. And if you don't know what, what aces are, they're childhood things like you've gone through divorce or you've had abuse or you have dealt with an addict parent. It's things that you have endured in your childhood. And I would say I didn't really have any. So for me, it, it didn't always make sense as to why behaviors or actions were what they were. And I guess my survival skill to feel and stay alive when you're driven by a motor called anxiety, um, it's kind of hard, and you know, resting my eyes made I went to dark places. Maybe not dark places that others go to, maybe not memories or actual occurrences. But it's really hard to have a brain stay on the track that you're trying to push it to when it's so confused. You're trying to put that into the swirly, whirly, whirly uncertainty, and it just doesn't know where to flick it. So it flicks to some other spot that didn't exist that you go, Oh, I don't really want to think about this. And, you know, my grandfather used to joke, I only visited him and my grandmother to take a nap. And, you know, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> if you put me in a stationary position where it's quiet and it's calm, even though my brain never is, I can't stay awake. Because my body is telling me to be up, 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 or down, 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 down. So I'm either in bed and I can't function or... I'm dripping like a mortar and I'm, you know, cleaning the roof of the house with a toothbrush at three o'clock in the morning. No, that hasn't really happened. But I know those type of behaviors can really happen when you're dealing with bipolar two, bipolar one, anxiety, depression, and a lot of other mental illnesses that all cross over. But it can also happen in other medical issues. So, you know, having lupus, you know, it's funny before I had lupus doctors would go, Oh, it's cause you're overweight. Then I got the lupus and now it's, eh, it's the lupus. And if you've ever seen the TV show house house always says it's not the lupus. Oh, oh yeah. It's usually the lupus, but these type of diagnoses and behaviors and symptoms and actions, you kind of have to start looking at the bigger picture and somehow we all miss that boat with me. So I want to share something that is extremely personal. And I'm going to also put it up in my Facebook group for those of you to get a sneak peek about it. And then I'll release it on my page probably tomorrow. But you know those dark places your mind goes, or at least my mind goes, when it finally, you finally lay down and you close your eyes, but yet the brain's still swirling. So one of those nights, what we call insomnia, but we all know we're probably struggling with something bigger when we've got insomnia. So one of those nights I wrote a quote about my depression and how it means to me and it'd be wonderful if it impacts you in a positive way and you can take something for it, but it's okay if it doesn't. And if you hate it, that's okay too. This is the way I describe my depression. My depression is a cliched tortured soul trapped in an imposed cell of reoccurring trauma hidden deeply behind a faked, infectious smile. Yeah, that's my my mind going blown. I don't have sound effects. There's no budget. There's no budget, so there's no sound effects. So, yeah. So let me read that again. The way I describe my depression. A cliched, tortured soul trapped in an imposed cell of reoccurring trauma, hidden deeply behind a faked, infectious smile. And the irony of that is anybody that knows me personally knows that I'm like the happiest person you'll ever meet and I'm always smiling. And that's because I really truly do feel happy and I want to engage with others and leave them on a note that leaves them in a happy place or at least in a joyful or just not in a bad place. I don't want to ever have a conversation with somebody and have them go, God, every time I talk to her, she just is so draining. It brings me down. I'm never going to be that person. I just can't be. It's just not who I am. But, you know, it's true. In my darkest points, I've felt that way. And I think the biggest takeaway, though, is doesn't matter if I wasn't officially diagnosed until a week ago. At the end of the day... I have choices. I have choices on how I behave, on the decisions I make. Sometimes things get a little blurry when maybe you're in a manic state and you really don't remember what you did. But at the same time, I kind of created another quote for myself. I haven't allowed my circumstances to dictate my choices. And that is something I would want to hold to anybody that's struggling. Don't allow your circumstances to dictate your choices, okay? You have the control over what you do. You may not have control over this swirly, really, whirly really brain. You may not have control over the highs and the lows. You may not have control over how you're feeling or whether or not you can fake a smile. But at the end of the day, you do have choices, and I want you to know that. So you have choices in the way you behave, but you also have choices in the way you seek treatment and not everybody's going to do it the same way. Not everybody's going to do it at the same time. And not everybody's going to even follow the same, say cognitive behavioral therapy. For example, we all get something different from it when we're in it. And so I just encourage you to make the choices, to find the steps, to get yourself out of the circumstances that have led you to where you're at now. And there is no shame in medication. I'm going to say that again. There is absolutely dear, zero shame in taking pills for mental health. It's something that I am on a soapbox about, thousand percent. Okay, here comes. There's the crying. I tried. I tried not to cry through any of that, but when you've had somebody in your life who's suicidal, it's scary. And I know we've all been there and I've talked about it before and I'm going to repost. You have resources. You can call numbers. You can text if you need help. And if this is all you hear today and this is the reason you don't kill yourself, thank you. Thank you for listening. But when you have someone you care about and you're seeing them spiral out of control and they're doing everything they can to hold themselves above water, and it's still it's still not helping please consider other treatments please give a med a try that maybe didn't work right the first time because it needed to be layered with another med or because you were in too much of a trauma-based place for the anything to work you know there's a medication now that i found really really helps my anxiety and also crosses over to depression And apparently I tried it in 2012. (laughs) The irony, right? They gave me the medicine that's working now in 2012. And I reached back out to that provider. Ironically, you know, she lives in another state now and we've had HIPAA time to, you know, slow things away, but we've become friends, you know, friendly. And I reached out to her and I said, do you remember putting me on X medication? (laughs) She just laughed. She goes, oh yeah, we tried it. You weren't having it, but I wasn't in a place for my body to accept it at the time. And again, maybe I wasn't asking or answering the way I needed to, to get the help I needed. And that's, what's really important here is asking for the help and advocating for the right help and saying, you know what? No, there's still something wrong. There's still something wrong. I shouldn't feel this way. We all have a responsibility to ourselves and each other to make sure we're living our best lives. So just because it hasn't worked in the past doesn't mean it won't work in the future. And I want you to remember that because putting yourself in your own box is hard and rescuing yourself from that box is even harder. So I want you guys to really understand that when you close yourself off for help or you silence yourself and you isolate yourself, it makes it really hard for you to accept help, even though helps there because you don't see it or you don't feel it or your coping skill is to ignore it because that's all you know. So I want to encourage you to be open to learning a new way to trying something again and to put yourself in a box that's right for you and not in a box that leaves you in a place that's really hard. So, I asked somebody recently if I were to share this and how hard it might be, or like I, I advised at the beginning, how triggering it could be for somebody else. And I got some really great advice. They said, be yourself, share your pain. Someone else's pain is the same. Remember who you are and why you're sharing. Boom. There it is. Be yourself, share your pain. Doing that. Someone else's paint is the same as yours, or similar enough, or askew a hair. God, I did really learn something from 10th grade. Askew <laughs> a, a hair of what you're dealing with. But at the end of the day, remember who you are and why you're sharing. And I told you all why I was sharing at the beginning. Because if I can help one other person turn the swirly whirlies off, pull the shades open, and feel the sunlight, then I don't care. Who knows? that I'm bipolar too, with depression and anxiety, who also has lupus, who also has fibromyalgia, who also has a lot of other things that are labels, that I refuse to tattoo them on my forehead. Okay. That goes back to the circumstances. I will not allow my circumstances to dictate my choices. And I will also not allow for my circumstances to define who I am. I had to use a beep in my mouth because again, I don't have money for sound effects. So I want you to know who you are is important. What you share is important. How you share is important. Being honest with yourself is the most important thing and tool you take into an appointment when you need help. It's okay not to be okay. Did you hear what I said? It is okay not to be okay. And it doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter if you just buried someone you loved. It doesn't matter if you were laid off after working somewhere for 14 years. It doesn't matter if you failed a class. It doesn't matter if you've gone through another major life event. At the end of the day, it is okay okay not to be okay and it is more so okay not to be okay and cope and deal with it the best way you know how until you reach out for help know that i want you to say it to yourself over and over and over but also make the promise that you're going to get the help you need and you're not going to be completely closed off to trying something that honestly didn't work in the past because the past is not now. You are not who you were nine years ago, nine weeks ago, nine days ago. So please keep it in your mind that you're willing. And that's all I ask be willing because I know that's, what's gotten me through. I'm willing to deal with what's in my pathway in order to get to the solution. And I think I'm starting to see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel your lights, your light, my lights, my light. And it might've taken me 40 years to get to mine. It might take you four, it might take you 45, but as long as you're trying, that's what matters. So on a lighter note, (laughs) uh, well, I guess best mess, you know, medicine and Prozac uh, keeps our depression stories down to a minimum. I'm not on Prozac, by the way, it's a different one. If you want to know what's working for me, be more than happy to private message me and I will talk to you um, privately. But I didn't want to leave the show well, or this booth, which is technically my closet, (laughs) um, on a heavy note. So listen up. Before I hit stop and before this clue in my coffee ends, I wanted to share something with you that I think was freaking awesome. And the fact that the police had to shut it down just irritates me. So somebody organized a game of hide-and-seek for 3,000 people. At IKEA, Yeah. Oh my gosh, I would have died. It's legendary. Like I would have gone out on the top of, I was a part of this, right? Well, it had to get shut down. I'm sure there's great reasons. I have lots of friends in law enforcement and I respect what they have to do, but come on, it's hide and go seek and Ikea. The same people that make us hide and go seek for all of their three gazillion little, you know, bolts and nuts and wooden pegs and glues and half of the Allen wrenches that aren't in the kit like they should be. I mean, come on, it's Ikea. So even though they shut this down over in the UK, if you ever do something that fun, please invite me. I will totally come whether we play hide and seek in town, whether we do the biggest game of wooden Yahtzee at the park, go out and live life. Go enjoy something that's obscure learn who you are as a person and go out and live your best life. But also never forget it is okay not to be okay. And it is okay to ask for help. It is okay to take medication. It is okay to be in therapy. You are living your best life. Nobody else's. The only people living a better life than us are those 3,000 people at Ikea that played I didn't go sick. So where to find me in the meantime, you can listen to me on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Live 365. And I think at this point, if you just Google clue in my coffee, it kind of pops everything up. So uh, social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I definitely want you on my Facebook VIP chat group clue and my coffee because you're going to decide the next segments, even though you have no idea what those segment names really mean. And in the meantime, this is what I know. I know I'm nobody's cup of tea, but I'm everybody's Kahlua in my coffee. Hit it, Becky! No better way to wake me up than Kahlua in my coffee cup. No better way to start my day than Kahlua in my coffee cup. No better way to end the day than Kahlua in my coffee cup.